Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Now, from Happy Valley, here's your host, Brian Tripp. All right, welcome into another episode of Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. I'm Brian Tripp as we cross over into summer. Hope everyone has a great summer. Can't wait to see you back here in the fall at Beaver Stadium for the first 107,000 family reunion. Our guest this week is Dr. Lauren Rhodes, the Senior Associate AD, Student Athlete Performance, Health and Welfare and the SWA at Penn State. And we'll jump right into it. Lauren, thanks for the time. How are you? Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. How about that title, though? It's a mouthful, huh? When you introduce yourself... Do you say the whole title? Oh, no. In fact, I even usually just cut off all of it and I just go with Senior Associate AD SWA just because I usually get either the health, welfare, performance mixed up. And <laughs> I, I just try to summarize it at some point. How, do, how would you summarize your job? I think that's the best way to introduce our guests here on the podcast. So I have the privilege of overseeing what you call our sports performance areas. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have performance enhancement, performance science, performance nutrition sports medicine, student-athlete welfare and development, and performance psychology. So those are the original six. We're going through a name change right now over the summertime why I could not get past athletic performance. So hopefully by July 1, I can get my act together there. Well, I think that's probably fitting, though, because (laughs) those are all areas that are constantly evolving. So you really have at your fingertips some of the evolving things in college athletics on a day-to-day basis. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that's it's funny. I was just doing a whiteboard session by, by myself. I do those a lot. Um, I was just doing a whiteboard session where I kept thinking, well, what if we call the area this? Well, what if we call the area this? Because it's it's an ever-evolving landscape. And when you work with student-athletes and you're now hearing you may not call them student-athletes anymore, you think, well, how can we call it student-athlete welfare and development? Should it transition to a development and enrichment mindset? So it, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of reading and keeping up with the Joneses. But now I'm trying to be revolutionary and move past them. But a lot of that as well is ensuring that, and this is something that Sandy Barber preached, and we're going to hear it from Dr. Kraft as well, is ensuring that student-athletes, no matter what they're called, no matter what the fields are called, have access to everything that they need to exceed expectations on the field, court, whatever it may be, and in the classroom, and prepare them for life after Penn State. And that's what I think makes it so exciting. Oh, I love it. I love every aspect of it. Because when you talk to a lot of our physicians, and I love Dr. Sebastianelli and Renee Messina um, from Athletic Training, but when you speak to our staff here, they'll say things like, we're not worried about just the four years that they're giving to us athletically. We're making decisions about life after sport. Um, You don't hear a lot of programs speaking like that, and that's the part that actually gives me chills because when we make decisions medically, nutrition-wise, it's always about, yes, what we're doing now, it's to win on the field, on the court, in the water, on the pitch. There's so many, right? But then it's also ultimately in life, and I like preparing them for a lifetime of impact. I think what relates best to that is I just saw a tweet, I think it was from Penn State Football last week, where some of the freshmen were in there doing their cooking classes. <laughs> Did you get a chance to attend? <laughs> I, no, I was a little nervous to taste that food. Uh, Le- Leanne, our, our nutritionist with that program, was present, and she does a phenomenal job with a lot of the programming with that team. But I, I always see when they're in there, they try to go in at least quarterly. Uh, but I, I don't know if I'm brave enough to be the, the taste tester just yet. Can you believe it? One year at Penn State almost already? August 2nd will be a full year. Um, if you would have asked me three months ago, did I think it would go by this fast? No, uh, but it is flying by, flying by. So what have you learned about Penn State in your first year on the job? Whenever you take a new job, you obviously have done your homework and you have some sort of expectation coming in. I'm sure everyone's well aware of what Penn State's known for. 
So how did you learn and how did it match up to maybe what those expectations were coming in? My favorite quote since I was maybe six was from Socrates says, wise is the man who knows he knows not. So with the omission of women, um, I couldn't have been more accurate in that assumption. So I, I thought Penn State was just this megaverse, right? You'd get here, you'd figure it out, you'd be able to make quick change. Um, but once I realized how good the people were here, there, there wasn't a need for change. It was just more of a need for synergy and positive direction. Um, so when you say what it's been like for me since August 2nd, it, it's been a whirlwind. Um, but I am so grateful to Renee Messina, Nikki Jupy, uh, Carl Olson, Keith Embry, a few people on my team in sports performance, Christina Diaz from a diversity, equity, inclusion perspective. Um, they, they've allowed for me to be successful. Uh, the, there are some really good people. I heard uh, Jeffrey Earls, one of our strength coaches for football, said, you know, and I'm stealing it, Jeffrey, so sorry about this, but I'm trying to quote you here. It's There are three things right now that matter. It's people, place, and time. And I said, okay, well, the first one's people. Check. I, I, I'm surrounded by some phenomenal people here at Penn State, and I love that. Uh, the second is place. I had no idea what it meant when people said we are. I had no idea what it meant to wear Penn State across your chest. Um, and it honestly didn't hit me until about maybe three months ago when I'm walking through an airport in the middle of nowhere, Minnesota, and someone just shouts out, we are. And I'm thinking, oh my goodness, this is my moment. Like this, I can finally say <laughs> Penn State back. I've been waiting for this unprompted for so long. I'm like, this is it, right? So it's this global environment that we're a part of, so I love. And then, and finally, time. Uh, where you'll hear people say it's an unprecedented time in college athletics. Right now, we're on this precipice of change. Mm -hmm. and, and I love being a change agent and being a part of positive change. So I, I think I'm here at the right time and the right moment. And I'm really excited for what's ahead. But I really like that answer because whenever someone immerses themselves in a new position, you come in, you have high expectations. There is a natural learning curve to it where you're learning about the place, how it works. And then you learn a little bit about yourself there as well and how you fit into that puzzle. Yes. Oh my goodness, yes. I'm still learning a lot about myself, right? So I went from uh, my name in undergrad. It's funny, they used to call me Loquacious Lauren because I was so talkative. I love talking because I always knew I had all the answers. Perfect podcast guest. <laughs> I, I always thought I had all the answers, but now I sit back and I'm thinking, I'm for once in my career in a place where I get to just sit and listen. Mm -hmm. And I know now what it means when people say, take a look, listening and learning tour for your first six months and listen and learn who the good people are and where, where everything is hidden because we have so many facilities and it, it's really been a great eye-opening experience for me. What experiences have you enjoyed the most during your first year, whether it's a particular sporting event, interaction with student athletes, what are some of the things that you're like, wow, you know, looking back at the first 11 months, I really enjoyed that. I, there's so many loaded question. Yeah. But I, I think I can, because I've actually been asked this recently. Um, Number one, and I'm going to have to say this, is the whiteout. There is nothing bigger in sport um, across the country. I even have my, my husband, uh, who, I, who I will not say who his favorite team is, but he came to the whiteout, and so did my father-in-law, and they both said, there's nothing better than this. Um, and that was the most chilling experience where I looked around at the staff and I said, how can you get tired of this? And it was funny because they said, you just kind of get used to it. I don't think I will ever get used to a whiteout. Um, it is the single best experience in sport. Um, another one for me is women's volleyball. I am the sport administrator for women's volleyball. And talk about high level competition. You know, working first with Coach Russ Rose, the legend, right? Mm -hmm. And then experiencing that retirement 
and now working with Coach Katie Schumacher-Colley, who is amazing and is doing great things and is leading the program forward. Um, so I love those pieces athletically, and then I wouldn't be who I was if I didn't mention the academic component of this, but not too many schools with over 850 student-athletes can you know, bode about having a 92% graduation success rate, especially in two consecutive years, right? So Mm -hmm. you're hearing of teams, I mean, we have 31 sports, so 29 programs having above a 3.0 GPA does not exist across the country. So um, academically and athletically, I am thoroughly fired about about Penn State. I love your answer about the whiteout because I I think, and I hope this isn't the case, but we as Penn Staters, and I'm just going to lump everyone together here, you never want to take something for granted. Like, that's really good to hear it from an outside perspective coming in. Don't take it for granted at all. And, and I hope I hope the pandemic taught us that. I love it. And then, it's, and then the best part about it is every weekend here, right, mm-hmm. from August through June, you can go to a sporting event. Yep. Where else can you do that in the country? And I, so I, I absolutely love it. And not only go to a sporting event see a team that's going to compete for a Big Ten championship, national championship. Oh, I'm going to go to field hockey on Friday. Oh, I'm going to go to a, a soccer game on Sunday. Yes. The list goes on and on. Yes. Agreed. Penn State's goal has always been to help student athletes have the greatest possible experience, as we've said. What is the department constantly doing to further those resources that we talked about right at the top for student athletes off the field, court, ice, whatever it is, to maximize their performance, and also their overall enjoyment of their Penn State experience. So what can you take us through what you're working on at a day-to-day basis now? I love it. So, so many times people forget that, I think they say that there are 20% of the people making decisions for 80% of your population. And I, I never thought of it until I really sat in this role where most of my decisions are about our student athletes, right? So 80% of our population. So I, I asked myself, why would I sit up here and do a whiteboard session where I, I was not a student athlete? I, I wish I was. I still have a solid three, and I, I played volleyball in high school, but I wasn't a Division One student athlete. Um, I can't relate to what it means to attend a high academic institution and operate an elite level athletically. Um, so a lot of what we do in the areas that I oversee is we, we, we do pulse checks. Uh, we work with our student-athletes. We work with our coaches. I actually just f- finished a sports performance world tour where I s- I'm sitting down with every single head coach one-on-one and asking, what have we done really well this year, and what would you like to see out of the areas I oversee? And I'm actually doing quite the same with student-athletes on campus, and they don't even know who I am half the time. So it's it's getting the news and the information directly from the source, and then that way when someone asks, well, why are we doing this, you can say, well, it's funny you mentioned it. I, I actually spoke with head coach blank or student athlete why. So it, it's going to the source and it's making positive change. And I'll just use one example. Um, when, I, when I first started, we had a Dwight Gold, another retiree. I've experienced a lot of retirements so far. I'm only 33, so okay, I'm good. safe. Good, because I don't think I could take any more. Yeah. When I started, we had this head of all of what was called performance enhancement, yep. which is strength and conditioning. And what you're seeing right now is because of the beast that football is slash is becoming, it, it's sort of archaic to function that way. So it's let's pulse check our coaches, let's pulse check our student athletes and see what's the need. And it, 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 it was very obvious, we need to divide the unit. Um, so that then allowed, so Dwight retires, we then hire uh, 
Chuck Losey as the assistant AD for performance enhancement for football. And then Rian Davis is now our assistant AD for performance enhancement for Olympic sports. And she's doing a phenomenal job taking the helm there. So that's just an example of something that can change just by pulse checking. And I think that leads me right into my next question. In evolving fields, how does Penn State remain a leader where you're on the cutting edge? Like, what are you examining on a day-to-day basis to make sure you're a part of the change and not trying to play catch up? Oh my goodness, yes. Loaded question again. Oh, it's, it's a good one. Though. It's a good one. So I like to surround myself with people who are smarter than I am. Um, and when hiring people or when just checking who's on your team, you want to make sure you have people who are forward thinking. Can I interject there? And I don't want to cut you off. The sign of a really good leader, and I'm not just saying this, the sign of a really good leader is someone who's not afraid to be challenged or to surround themselves with really, really smart people and then listen to those people. So, you know, that's a credit to you for, for doing that. Thank you. I mean, I mean, when you have a, a, a PhD formerly in Carl Olson and EDD and, you know, Josh Nelson, you have a nutritionist right now working on her doctorate, your doctorate in business administration doesn't even seem to catch the weight of the group. So first step for me is I, I listen to what the smartest people around me are saying. And we read, we have an entire, and I, I'll shout out Josh Nelson here, but he he's created this Microsoft Teams channel and it has an entire performance hub where one piece of this performance hub alone is research. So you can just dump articles in here for reading. And, and it's been really helpful for me, someone who's more leadership or culture. And I'm a mm-hmm. sort of an economist, if you will. Um, it's helpful for me to understand the field and the direction in which we're going. Um, but right now you're hearing this concept of high performance teams. And everyone doesn't really know what that means. But usually the business world was the first world to come up with this. Yeah. And now sports are starting to catch up. So it's so fun for me because I'm have the business mindset where I'm thinking, okay, well, how do we create a high performance team? And I'm partnering with someone like Josh Nelson, Renee Messina, Nikki Jupe, Rian Davis, Chuck Losey. Um, the list goes on to how do we progress what we're doing? So your, your question was, how do we not stay behind? And that's, you always got to read ahead, right? And history repeats itself. It just finds a fancier way of doing so. So for us, it's, it's reading, it's checking out what's going on. It's really trying to be forward thinking on what's ahead. So where are we going? Or can't you even answer that yet? Because with all the evolving technology, we don't even know. I love that question. I, if you would have asked me 10 months ago, actually, I guess almost a year ago now when I was getting interviewed for this opportunity, um, I was asked, what do you do really well? And I said, if I could have a nickname, it would be a crystal ball because I am a strategic thinker and I love strategic planning. And if you ask me right now, and I joke, I'm smiling when I say this because I have a few mentors in the profession, and they said, so Lauren, what's your crystal ball say now? And it literally says, I don't know what tomorrow is. And, and I say it jokingly to our staff because I have no idea what tomorrow is going to bring. All I know is we're going to see this world where college athletics gets even more complicated, right? We're seeing a world where football is, it's, it's raising the game, but so too is men's basketball. But then when you speak from a Title IX perspective, which is another area I oversee, it's, okay, well, what are we making sure we're, we're keeping it tight and in line for our women's sports? So directionally speaking, I, I think you're going to see I, my aerial song, I have a bonus daughter who's six, all the gadgets and gizmos, right, that she spoke to. Uh, but it's, I, I think we have to see the, the further investment in people, um, you're seeing burnout across college athletics at an all-time high, um, and a part of my research is human capital. Mm-hmm. So I want to see us in college athletics really invest in good people who are working for the same common goal. You mentioned something there, and I always ask this question about mentors. Who are the mentors for you? Well, I am blushing when I say this. Uh, when I Before I got here, I was like, a dream would be to work for Sandy Barber. 
the moment I can say I have worked for Sandy Barber, I think I've made it. So that dream became a reality far too quick. Um, so Sandy is my first mentor. Uh, she was, and she's been great. But I also am in this pathway program. Mm-hmm. And in that program, I have Jack Swarbrook from Notre Dame, Nina King from Duke, uh, President Carter from Nebraska, and Chancellor Siverud from uh, Syracuse are also mentors who help guide my path here over the last few months. What has it been like, and I know it's ending probably shorter than you were hoping, <laughs> to work with Sandy and learn from her on a day-to-day basis and being around her that often? Um, it's a constant reminder to do better. Uh, And I never realized that because for me, I'm a bottom line person and I I value human capital. But a lot of what I do is how can human capital impact the bottom line? And working alongside Sandy, it reminded me a little bit of it's not always about the bottom line. So really just focusing on the people and who they are, and what they bring. So she's a pioneer. Uh, She's a legend. It's unfortunate when you see the amount of female athletic directors, specifically at the Power Five, you know, you're looking at one hand and now we're, we're losing a legend. Um, I, I Hopefully she'll open up what I keep calling and I'm, I'm calling it out now, Sandy, so hopefully you're listening, but hopefully you open the Barbershop LLC here soon, <laughs> um, in which case there's some type of consulting involved because your, your work's not done. Um, so for me, it, it's been great. You, you get to watch greatness um, really on, on the way out and you get to be a part of that. And and that's been wonderful. I'm asking this question because I know someone's listening right now, probably thinking it. Can you explain human capital and what that means? Sorry. Yes. In a short non-doctorate and business administration way, it's the fact and the concept that your humans, so the employees, the staff, whoever your target audience is, mm-hmm. Those are the most important people that drive business for the organization. So it's not the new aura ring. It's not the new, uh, it's not any new tech. It's just, it's the people. So it's making sure you get people on board who are bought in and have an aligned vision. And that necessarily initially necessitates growth and revenue. Well, speaking of those people, a student athlete, when they depart Happy Valley, and you probably haven't had a ton of these conversations yet since you're still relatively new, What's the best possible feedback? And maybe these are conversations you've had at Jacksonville and before arriving here at Penn State. But what's the best possible feedback someone in your position could get from a student athlete after their three, four, five, or even six years finish up? Oh, my goodness. I ask this all the time of our recent graduates when I see them is, what could we have done better? Um, I, and, and mental health is a huge piece mm-hmm. right now of what I'm doing. And, you know, you're seeing, unfortunately, these student athletes pass by suicide across the country. And, and that's the number one thing that keeps me up at night, just across the board. So I like to pulse check. And, and I want to know from our graduates who are three years out and five years out, you know, what was that transition like to a town that in one weekend triples in size, right? What's transition like for the person such as myself from Baltimore City, and then you're going to, I affectionately call it middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania, right? So <laughs> I, I want to know how can we help because research shows that if you're making positive and effective change in their first year or two of transition, you're in a much better situation for retention and graduation success. Um, so I usually often ask, and I, I think of Nadia from women's volleyball, who's now working at Notre Dame, you know, what could have done, what could have been done better in your first two years at Penn State that maybe some low hanging fruit that we can knock out while I'm here. What are, when you're going through while they are here and having those pulse checks, what are some of the questions you ask student athlete and coaches that way, you know, the vibe, the environment that they're in presently? Oh, I love that. Um, the best one that everyone loves is, and I know comparison is the enemy of all, but if you had a magic wand, what would be three things, mm-hmm. three things right now that you would change that would make you more successful in your sport and in the classroom? 
uh, that's one for me. Another one is, have you noticed any changes on campus or within our department that has had a positive and or negative impact on your current situation? Um, and then the final one for me is just, how can I help you be successful? Um, oftentimes, our student athletes and coaches, they always want People, the people want stuff from them, right? Yep. I, I mean, I, I was I was behind Kale in the airport the other day, and I'm still dying laughing at the story. But this young this woman chased him down just to come <laughs> up and say hi and how proud she was and how she's a Penn Stater. And I looked at that, and he was so humble in that conversation and in that moment. But it was still a moment where he had to stop and turn it on, right? So for me, it's I get to dial it back a little bit and not want anything from them other than. What, what can I do to help you be successful? Is that the most rewarding thing for you when you see a student athlete become successful because of maybe something that you've helped put in place or provide for them those resources? Oh my goodness, yes. When I worked at Jacksonville University, I used to teach this like intro course to college and it was student athletes and students alike in it. And I made them write a letter to the, themselves for the future just saying, you know, what are you doing right now and what do you hope to be doing in four years? Um, I, I'm still going to mail them back because I still have all of them, but it's, it's so rewarding when it's something as simple as I just want to graduate. Mm-hmm. I, I want to graduate with a 3.0. I, I want to graduate and go to grad school and you're actually seeing these moments become reality. Um, and you're looking back on quite a few of those students now and you're like, oh my goodness, they, they're, they're accomplishing exactly what they wanted to. If mental health is number one, another thing that's very high up on that list and Penn State Athletics is actively doing its part. What can Penn State Athletics continue to do or even further do for its efforts for inclusion and equality on campus and diversity? Because I know that's something you also have your fingerprints on that we discussed. It's so interesting you asked this question. I was I did think about this today because mm-hmm. so today is the you know, the federal holiday of Juneteenth. Yep. And diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that's near and dear to my heart because it's such we're in this point now where everyone's trying to figure out what does it mean? Like, what does it actually mean to belong? And we, we joke with our student athletes calling it, a, it's a house party, right? So like everyone's invited to this party. We all get to contribute to this concept of what we're playing, what the decorations are. But belonging is this fact where you can literally dance and or sing like nobody is watching. So when do we get to this point? And, and I think that's, that's the goal, right? And, and if you ask some of our students, I, I'm not sure we're there yet. Um, so I think the first piece is we need to be open and honest about where we are. And, and be comfortable being uncomfortable. These are very uncomfortable conversations to have. Um, I, I did a, we did these ICA community conversations where I spoke to a few experiences I've even had in state college that would make people feel uncomfortable, right? Like, no way, that can't be Happy Valley. It is. But it's okay because I, I'm comfortable in my skin to have these conversations. So for me, it's just having more support in terms of just understanding what it is, right? So it's not on one person to talk about DEI, it's on all of us. And and I think if we can start operating from a lens of inclusivity, immediately we'll start reaping the benefits of belonging. So it's fun. I'm excited for what's happening. How important is the entire ACDEI team to this? Who makes it up? What are the important discussions that you're having on a weekly basis? Oh, my goodness. So when I first started, uh, ACDEI was like a a member-only piece. This will be a surprise for the group, but eventually the goal for next year is just to open it up. Um, we're going to offer trainings and conversations and just to continue to develop this. But I, I couldn't say that it was easy. I can say that thanks to Jermonica Earls, who's a Big Ten fellow, mm-hmm. Christina Diaz, special assistant to the VP for Intercollegiate Athletics, Joe Foley, senior associate AD for Advancement, Coach Sarah Brown, our head coach for women's gymnastics, and a few others, 
this, what we were able to accomplish this year was would not even happen. And then I cannot forget Danny Faye, um, who released and created a wonderful video just yesterday on Juneteenth, mm-hmm. which is once again our first ever Juneteenth moment, right? And then we've done a Pride game, which is the first Pride game for softball or for any program in the history of Penn State Athletics. So we have a solid group behind us, um, and it, it's just individuals who are going above and beyond to try to provide inclusivity and belonging. Whether it's the roar and rally coming up for title nine pride month why is it important that these foundational pieces have now been set and that penn state has a voice in these things i love it um i I had a student athlete tell me if you seeing is believing um and it's funny because that's actually from the movie santa claus um, (laughs) as i think about it but uh seeing is believing for today's student right so when we're recruiting Mm -hmm. um our coaches our student athletes our staff they're going to go to our social media platforms. They're going to go and see what are we doing in this space, right? In fact, I think when you're getting interviewed now for opportunities, there's some type of diversity and inclusion question being asked, right? So what are we doing? If someone was to interview us saying, well, what are we doing at Penn State to foster a diverse and inclusive environment? Now we have these platforms, which we've actually built something, right? So Title IX, Roar and Rally, I am elated about this, right? However, it, it's funny because as Title IX celebrating its 50th, in two more years, we have to think of a way to make that even bigger because we'll be celebrating 60 years of women in sport. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about Juneteenth, when you talk about Pride Month, we're, we're talking about Pacific Islander Month, right? It's just bringing an awareness that these moments of time exist and showing people that, yes, we are aware and yes, we were open to conversations and, and honestly, any mode of celebration that needs to take place. So every single person that we interact with here in our state college community knows that this is a place for, for them. Uh, along those same lines, how has the department helped empower student athletes to use their voice, the platform they have with social media, whatever it may be, to support causes and issues they're passionate about? And also, if they're in a tough spot, to not be afraid to speak up because something affected them. At a school this size, and I'm still learning, um, at a school this size, it's important to f- make sure you have these safe spaces uh, for student athletes, coaches, and staff. And But not only that, identifying the people where those spaces are. Um, so that's one thing we realized over the course of this year that we could improve upon, right, is showing who and where are these safe conversations taking place. Um, but I, I could just give one sole example. So we have SOB, which is our governing body for student athletes. But then we have Olivia Jack from Swimming and Diving who created the Black Student Athlete Association, and that's because she saw a community in need. Um, And now I'm working with another student athlete who currently asked to remain anonymous, but uh, I'm working with another student athlete uh, and their involvement in QSAC, and that's supporting our LGBTQ plus community of student athletes. Um, So it's the more they see either my name, my face, or know that I I honestly just want to listen and Mm -hmm. see what do you want? How can we make this happen? um, And how do we create a sense of community for you? And I think that matters a lot. So I think that probably leads in perfectly to the last question (laughs) from today into year two. What are some of the next goals that are on on that whiteboard that you have in your office? Oh, that's a good one. Um, For me, it's not a refocus, but how do we continue to bolster what we're doing from a mental health and wellness perspective? Mm -hmm. That's number one. Um, Number two is how do we continue to bolster what we're doing from a nutrition perspective? That's number two. And then number three, how can we win championships? And I, I, I think they all build into one another. But at the end of the day, it's we're winning championships in life. That's why we're here, right? We want to compete. We want to win. So for me, it's everything I'm doing right now has to focus on winning national championships and graduating. That's it. 
Those are great goals, Lauren. Really appreciate the time on the podcast. We'll have to do this again. Oh, I, I'm excited. You know, I talk too much, though, so you may want to bring me maybe like every six months or so. <laughs> <laughs> Lauren, thanks so much. Thank you. Dr. Lauren Rhodes, our guest this week on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. If you like what you heard here today, make sure you rate and subscribe to our podcast. Also, share it with your friends, family members, other Penn State fans out there, whoever it may be even maybe a Wolverine or a Buckeye. Hopefully they'll learn something from this as well. Thanks for tuning in this week on Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics. Let's Go State, the official podcast of Penn State Athletics.